Good morning, Christ Church. Good to see all of you here this morning, and it's, I hope you've had a great week. i tell you what, I've had a, a great week this week. Um, some of us uh, leaders began a 100-day prayer journey this past week, and I tell you, I can just feel God moving in a way that uh, maybe uh, hadn't been before, and I'm so excited to see what God is going to be doing. And In about 100 days, we're going to invite the rest of the church to join us in this, and uh, I, I tell you what, it just sets the stage and the table for a wonderful worship time. So if we're going to be followers of Christ, if we're going to be ambassadors of Christ, we must be speaking and listening to what the Lord is saying. And we have to have a prayer life that is opening us up for that. Now, we can't be trying to fit in with the world. We have to stand up for Jesus. And we can't be chameleons trying to blend in so nobody notices us. Uh, we have to stand out. Now, did you know that you are an ambassador? Yes, you are an ambassador of Christ. Now, the website Job Hero submits as the job description of an ambassador. Ambassadors represent the policies and interests of their home countries around the world. This is the highest ranking diplomatic position requiring the ambassador to attend and host events with foreign leaders and representatives while promoting their home nation's policy abroad. An ambassador typically lives in a foreign country for an extended period of time and has varied day-to-day -day duties. Now that sounds really exciting, doesn't it? <laughs> Uh, maybe some of you would aspire to be an ambassador one day, a person representing the United States in a foreign land. That is a high honor to represent one's country as an ambassador. Adding that to your resume would be pretty advantageous to your career, I would think. But today, friends, I believe God wants to show you an, an even better advantageous thing for you and for the world around us, and that is that you are to be his ambassador. God wants to show us more specifically who he has called us to be on this earth and what to say when we have opportunities to call people out of the darkness and into his light. And so, church, if you do not receive anything else that God desires to say today, know this, he has called you to be ambassadors for Christ. Friends, we are called to the highest position for an extended period of time to represent the interests of our King to all the nations of the world. That's a pretty cool thing, isn't it? What an amazing assignment. What an amazing calling. And of course, the next most important question that you may be asking is, how in the world am I going to do that? <laughs> what, what exactly does that look like in my life? What does that mean? It could seem like a daunting task. I don't know about you, but if I really think about representing God, 
That's a pretty serious responsibility, wouldn't you say? And I'm not sure I always feel up to the task. I mean, I mess up. I know that's hard for some of y'all to believe. Uh, but I mess up. I might not always choose the right path. I might say something that I regret. I, I, I'm supposed to represent God with my words and my actions. And I know that I very often fall short. Now we've been in this series called Chameleon. Where we have spent some time looking into scripture and learning what it looks like to stand out on behalf of Jesus. And last week we said God decided to choose us, to call us out of darkness and into His light. And that's a wonderful blessing for all of us. Now He didn't do that just so that we could simply stay there and bask in the radiant light of Christ all by ourselves, but rather to reach those who are still stuck in the darkness. He has saved us not just for our own benefit, but also for the benefit of others. That we might be ambassadors to the Most High King and bring glory to His name. So the way we live matters. The stuff you put on Facebook matters. The tweets you send out matter. What you represent to the world around you matters. The way you speak to people in your office, the way you talk to kids in school, the jokes that you tell, it matters. Because people are watching you. Are we consistent between what we say we believe on Sunday and how we act on Monday? If people watch us, will they see Jesus living in us? Will they see His mercy and His grace? Will they hear the words He would have us say? Or are words filled with vulgar profanities? It's not just about us. It's about Jesus. An ambassador understands he isn't just representing his ideas, but he is representing the ideas of his nation and his leader. And friends, this is the case for all of us who claim that we are Christians. So I want you to say this with me if you believe it. I don't want you to say it if you don't believe it. Don't lie. I didn't bring you didn't come to church to lie today, okay? But if you believe this statement, I want you to say it with me. I'm going to go slow at first, okay? I'm going to do like I do in, in weddings where we're doing the wedding vows cuz you know it can be very nervous, you know. So I just go piece by piece. So we're going to go slow. I am, I am. an ambassador of Christ. Representing Jesus, representing Jesus in the things I do and say. Let's say that again. I am, I am. an ambassador of Christ, ambassador of Christ. Representing, Jesus representing Jesus in the things I do and say. 
Friends, we are called to be God's voice, to reconcile people to himself. This includes the willingness to speak up and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And I hope that you will join us today in deciding that you are truly going to be an ambassador. I want to invite you to turn with me to our main passage of Scripture that we're going to be spending time in today in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 18. And we read, All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And He was committed, or has committed to us, the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Father, we come to You this morning and I pray that we would open our hearts and open our ears to what You have to say. I pray that You would help us understand what it means to be an ambassador of reconciliation between you and mankind. Teach us to mirror our lives and our speech with that of Christ to effectively invite people back into communion with you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Paul was writing those words after he had just finished telling his readers that anyone who belongs to Christ is a new creation. That's what he wrote in verse 17. And then he goes on to write what we read in our text today, that all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And the first thing I want you to recognize today, friends, is this, that reconciliation brings about revival. When we are reconciled to God and we are helping others become reconciled to God, I'm telling you, there's going to be a movement of God going on. If you're out there bringing friends to Jesus, there's going to be a movement of God going on. There's going to be revival. Now, I do want to pause right here for a moment because I want us to understand one thing in particular from what Paul is saying. That word reconciliation means the restoration of friendly relations. When we think about the ministry of reconciliation, we're talking about a ministry of helping people have peace with God. You know, sin has separated us from God. That's true of every human being. We have sin in our life. And that sin has separated us from God. And God wants to be reconciled to us. He wants to have peace with us. 
And so this ministry of reconciliation is all about helping people find out how to deal with their sin and have peace with God. Now that is certainly done as we speak to them about God and we use the Word of God to encourage people, but it also can happen as they see reconciliation in our own lives. You know, people can experience revival when they see our ability to reconcile with each other. You know, uh, those friends of mine that have been to Rwanda, this is an amazing thing when you see people who have been so traumatized by such a terrible genocide, and yet when you ask them, they can say, I have forgiven them. One woman said to me, I forgave them because if Jesus forgives me, I need to forgive them. What an amazing statement. And so, here's what it means. It, it's going to be very difficult to bring those around us into a relationship with Christ if they only see broken relationships in our lives. If all a broken world sees is more brokenness, anger, division, bitterness, when they look at us, then what incentive is there to listen to what we have to say about reconciliation with God. Jesus himself even talks about the importance of reconciliation in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 23, if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. In other words, the reconciliation was even more than whatever offering you were bringing. God has provided Jesus as a model of what reconciliation looks like. Not only between people and God, but also between people and other people. Jesus came to break down some cultural barriers that did not allow people of different cultures to truly be in relationship with one another. You may remember the story of when Jesus went to a town in Samaria and he met a woman at a well there, we, we discussed this a little bit in week one. As a Jewish man, Jesus should not have been speaking with this woman or even seen with her at that well. However, he was much more focused on getting her heart in the right place than following cultural norms of the time. And to put it another way, he was willing to stand out rather than fit in for the sake of someone's soul. I wonder how many people in your life are looking at you and all they see are broken relationships with those around. They hear you talking about this guy Jesus that you love and you follow closely, but they don't see much love coming out of your life towards other people. They don't see forgiveness or grace or mercy. All they hear is you speaking ill of others. You see, one way or another, I believe that our lives will paint an image in the heads of those who do not believe 
as to what God looks like, acts like, speaks like, and loves like. And in order for God to use us to reconcile lost people to himself, I believe there has to be work put in by us to seek reconciliation with those around us as a testimony to what God's love looks like in action. Now, this is one of many parts of our walk with Christ that I believe is meant to look like the cross itself. Now, now here's what I mean. There's an illustration you see on the board there. And if you look at that cross, obviously you see, you see two beams. You see the, the horizontal or the vertical, and you see the horizontal. Uh, the, the life that we live is meant to have balance between that vertical relationship, the relationship between God and us, and that horizontal relationship between us and others. God has reconciled the vertical relationship through Jesus, dying on the cross, and we are called to be ambassadors of that reconciliation in our horizontal relationships with others. And as we work for reconciliation with others, we will see revival in our churches. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, looking back at our text, verses 19 through 20, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us that message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, if I paraphrase that a little bit, I say God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. We're making, or God is making, his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we go to people and we plead with them, come back to God. Right here, Paul gives the title for the role that God has chosen to call us to fill, ambassador. Now you may remember the word ambassador means, uh, based upon what I shared with you earlier in the sermon, but I, I want us to hear the word as it was used in the Greek. The original language that the New Testament is written in, the word is presbuo. And essentially the word means to act as God's representative for his kingdom. I think we can agree that there seems to be a good bit of weight which comes with that. You see, the what we represent will often reflect the way we act and speak. If we represent the world, we will find ourselves fitting into its mold, representing its policies and characteristics, using its language, 
saying things the way the world would say things, having the same attitudes and philosophies. However, if we represent Christ and God's eternal kingdom, we will naturally stand out because the policies and characteristics of God's kingdom are opposed to that of the world. The things the world loves can't be the things that you love. As a follower of Christ, we are called to love God and not the world. We have opposing philosophies of life. Just look in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anything, anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Friend, if you claim to be a Christian, you don't represent the world. You represent Christ. And if we love the world, we're going to find ourselves having competing allegiances. We're no longer ambassadors for Jesus, but if we love Him, we will stand out. And if you're already standing out, you might as well speak up too. And that's our second point, that we need to be willing to speak up. It's not just that God has called us to be an ambassador and so we're sitting back with this job title. No, we have to speak up. And the key is that if we have decided internally to be all right with standing out in the way we live, the next step for us is to speak up. If there's one thing I see consistently throughout the life of Jesus is that when he spoke, people listened. And Jesus did not speak contradictory messages. The way he lived is also the way he spoke. The Bible actually tells us why people were so eager to hear what he had to say. In Matthew 7, beginning in verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. You see, friends, Jesus knew that his message was truth. He was so convinced of this that he was willing to speak up and at times speak against the culture that was around him. The culture around us tries to convince us of what's called relative truth. Now, I never heard that term when I was a kid, but I'm hearing it all the time today. And that term means that there is no absolute truth. You have your truth. I have my truth. And if our truths contradict each other, well, you know, that doesn't really matter. That's just your truth and this is my truth. And therefore, truth can change with any passing whim. Today, this can be true for me, but tomorrow, this can be true for me. So there's no consistency in what we call truth. However, if you are here today and you follow Christ, you know that God's truth is the truth. 
And our hurting and broken world need to hear God's truth. Can I get an amen for that? But our culture and sometimes even people who claim to follow Christ will push back on this notion that there is a truth. There is God's truth. Years ago in a preacher's gathering I was at, I, I made that statement that, well, we have God's truth and we need to go tell people about that. And one of the other preachers looked at me like I had four eyeballs and he said, uh, we have the truth? Yes, we have the truth. We have the truth of God's Word. And many may turn away from it. Many may reject it. But friends, that doesn't change the fact. And we don't need to be ashamed of the fact that we believe in the Word of God and we trust the Word of God. The only time we will have the willingness to speak up and share that word with others is when we are so convinced that it is true that nothing will get in our way. If you're not sure, you're never going to speak up. You're going to be always afraid to say anything, afraid that somebody might not like you or they will reject you. However, the reality is many of us have stumbling blocks in our way known as disagreement or rejection. Sometimes when we try to stand up for truth, we're going to be ridiculed or attacked. Now, I, I've shared this story before many years ago. I, I was serving in a church uh, one time. Somebody got upset with me. I know that that's really hard for you to believe that I could be somewhere and somebody would be upset with me. Uh, but I was helping out with a local Fellowship of Christian Athletes event. We were going to have a hayride. It was around uh, uh, Halloween time. And we're, we're going to take all these, you know, athletes out, you know. And, and we needed some big trucks to take the students. And one of our deacons owned a couple of big, you know, farm trucks, two-ton trucks. And uh, I asked if we could use them. He was more than glad to help. He even, in fact, uh, supplied the hay for the trucks. And so the event went off without a hitch. We had a great time, no problems. Nobody misbehaved. We all got back safe and sound, which as Lance will tell you, that's always a big key, right? The following Monday, our church board met. We met in the fellowship hall. Big, wide open space, about this big. And when I walked in the back door, they were at the other end. You know, several of the guys were sitting around uh, and they were talking and and all of a sudden, I could hear in a loud voice all the way back to the door I was coming in. If I'd known he was going to let black boys ride with white girls in the back of that truck, I'd have never let him use them. Whew. I tell you what, I was brokenhearted and I was angry. And a righteous indignation rose up within me. And I know that my face was as red as it has ever been. And I spoke to that man who wasn't, he was my senior, I will say that. But I told him truth. I told him that his prejudice was a sin. And I told him that Jesus cared for all people and he loves everyone. And it was such a mess. I couldn't even stay for the meeting. I had to leave. My senior minister stood with me on this topic, but he also required that I go to the man's house and speak to him. 
which I did not want to do. But I did. And I sat there for three hours. And at the end of those three hours, he said something I will never forget. He said, I know that I am wrong, but I can't change. This is the way I was raised. And I said to him, no, it isn't that you can't change, it's that you don't want to change. And the sad thing is that this man would have given you the shirt off his back. If he saw you in trouble on the side of the road, he would have stopped where he was going and he would have helped you. He was generous and loving in so many other ways. But he needed to hear the truth even if he didn't like it. Right? Now, do you believe we can change? Do you believe in the power of God to transform us? If I didn't believe that, I would quit the ministry today. Because if we can't, then what's it all about? We all need to allow that spiritual transformation to take place in our lives. Sometimes it needs to happen with people that have already accepted Jesus. And we're holding on to some old sin. And we need to recognize it's sin and I need to let it go. Part of that transformation is allowing God to use us as His ambassadors. And when we do, we should know that there will be people who won't like what we say. Whether we like it or not, this kind of thing will happen to us all the time if we choose to do the right things or speak up and talk about the hope that we have. Even throughout Jesus' ministry and the ministry of the apostles after Christ left, there were many times that they called out to people saying similar things as Paul says in our passage, come back to God. However, those people turned away instead. Rejection of the faith should not be seen as an exception, but rather should rightly be understood as many people's normal response to the things of God's kingdom. Most of the world is going to reject it. And most of the world is not going to like you as an ambassador for Christ. But instead of being discouraged by that, we need to learn to deal with rejection. If you're going to stand out and speak up, you have to learn to deal with rejection. Too many people allow rejection to redirect them back to a worldly lifestyle. You know, in other words, it gets hot and in the kitchen and they're losing some friends and people aren't talking to them like they once did. And so, oh, well, I got to go back to living the way I did. However, the key is to understand that if we are truly ambassadors for Christ, the rejection is not directed at us. Rather, the rejection is directed to God. Our friend and brother Ajay Law and his team at CSCM, Central India Christian Mission, were recognized by the government for their efforts on behalf of the people. His daughter, Abanita Matney, shared this on Facebook, and I just want to quote what she read. 
Yesterday, my father received an award from the chief minister and local authorities. Daddy was honored for his outstanding cooperation with the government in the field of social service. In a family where awards and criticisms are often taken as being equally uh, transactional, this award was greatly appreciated because it pointed to local leaders who truly look beyond simple-minded populism. This award was not about public opinion, polls, or popularity, but it was about sacrificial service. During the pandemic, Daddy, that is Ajay, worked night and day so that people could get the care and medication they needed. Our mission hospital was the first in this area to have an oxygen generating plant, and it will be the first in this area to have a cath lab. Uh, and I will say thanks to the support and giving of many churches like ours around the world. At a time when uh, our family could live very comfortably anywhere in the world, they chose to stay in this part of rural India to serve. This has been my family's legacy for decades, and this is the type of selfless commitment from the people that has allowed India to boast about its greatness. And she continues... I can speak romantically about the beauty of the country I love and the fact that it remains the world's largest democracy, but this should not keep us from standing up against the dominant negative trends that lean towards ignorance, disorder, crime, and poverty. This morning I got the news that some small-minded local people criticized the honor given to my father because he is a Christian leader. People who don't know anything constructive or do anything constructive but spread hate are always also the ones who stand against constitutional liberalism, which stands for justice, liberty, equality, and fraternity. These religious fundamentalists are filled with hate because in their uneducated minds, India's return to the past is the validation of the myths that they have chosen to believe. End of quote. Now, my friend Ajay has often said to me that the hatred that they experience is actually a hatred towards Jesus and not really Him. And that's why they can forgive. The people who do these things don't understand. They don't know Jesus. But my friends in India understand that as ambassadors of Christ, they're going to have to deal with rejection, even attack. And as ambassadors, we are in the business of simply planting seeds. Some of the soil we plant in will be perfect for the seed to grow immediately, but other soil will not quite be ready to experience growth. Nonetheless, in all cases, if we're willing to speak up, the seed of the gospel message will be planted. The Bible even records Paul talking about this in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. I believe one of the devil's biggest tactics against us is simply to convince us that all the weight of speaking up is on our shoulders. But let this serve as a reminder, friends. God is the one who grows the seed once the Holy Spirit helps us plant it. Will you seek to be God's ambassador and plant seeds by speaking up for Christ? God never said any of this would be easy. In fact, uh, Jesus specifically said in John 16, 33, uh, in this world you will have trouble. 
And in other places in the Gospels, Jesus warns us, count the cost. However, if I'm listening and reading all of the words of Jesus correctly, I'm convinced that it will all be worth it in the end. Speaking up for what you believe in, in love and grace, is often rebuked and rejected in our culture. However, nothing will get in your way of being an ambassador for Christ if you are convinced of the truth behind that message. Years ago, when I was in Bible college, I was an RA, and there were a couple of students, a couple of guys that lived in my dorm, and they got into a little tussle. It started out, you know, talking smack to each other, and then it, then it got to where there was some pushing, and it was about to get into a real physical altercation. And, I, and I, I sort of took one of them aside, and, I, and all that could come to my mind was, remember who you belong to. Remember who you belong to. Years later, after I had long forgotten about that, that young man has grown into a, a really great preacher in a large church in the Midwest, and he shared with his congregation that those words have helped him make the right decisions in life. I want to tell you something. They weren't my words. I didn't know what to say. <laughs> I believe they were the words of the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that I'm a perfect person. But in that moment, I think God spoke through me to him. I'm, I'm not that smart. <laughs> But the Holy Spirit knew just what he needed to hear, and it stuck with him. I think that if I had not spoken what the Holy Spirit was prompting me to speak, that opportunity would have been lost. Maybe they would have duked it out. Maybe there would have been bitterness and anger with those guys for the rest of their time at school. Maybe he would have, you know gone years away and never had that experience, but it impressed upon him he belonged to Christ. You can't act that way if you belong to Christ. Remember who you represent. Remember the power of the kingdom behind you. Remember, just like an earthly ambassador, your appointment to this foreign land, which is the world, is a temporary one. Friends, your citizenship is a heavenly one. Amen? Your home is not here. So this week, I want you to allow God to ignite a new fire in you, a new passion inside your heart to stand up, to speak up, to share His love and the gospel message with those around you in your daily life. Spend some time reading and rereading 1 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, the text we read today. Familiarize yourself with this position of ambassador that God has bestowed upon you. Think about how you can embody this position and mindset in your day-to-day -day living. Think about who you can share the gospel with this week. Who can you be reconciled with personally this week? When you go to lunch after church, how can you represent Jesus? When you're on the ball field, 
How can you represent Jesus? When you're in the classroom, how can you represent Jesus? When you're in the office, how can you represent Jesus? Because you are an ambassador of Christ. Father, thank you for Jesus who came to reconcile us to you. Thank you that you have mercy and grace for us and that we can be forgiven and have the promise of eternal life with you. And thank you, too, that it's not just that we're saved just for us, but that you did this so that we could reach others, that we could be your ambassadors for a lost world. Father, right now I ask your Spirit to move in our lives, to raise up from this group ambassadors for Christ, people who will take this seriously, someone who needs to reach out to another person out there, put it upon their minds and their hearts, that person, that name, that image. Who will you rise up to become the next preacher? Who will you rise up to teach another? Who will you rise up and represent you in our community? Move in me, Father. Move in my friends. We accept your call, Father, to represent you as your ambassador. In the name of Jesus, amen.